NBA Top Shots is like trading cards, but, but digital. And so just like you open packs of digital cards and video games, here you can actually keep the cards and sell them and, and transfer them to your friends or destroy them if you want to. So the best way to understand is NFTs make it possible to have the same kind of property rights and ownership and control over uh, assets that you, you, you sort of take for granted in the physical world to have it in the digital world. What's up? Welcome to Same Same But Tech, a podcast where we explain how technology is driving culture into the future. One analogy at a time. And today we're going to be talking about something that I guarantee 100%, absolutely no doubt in my mind, you've heard about, at least in the last few months. Three little letters that go a little something like this. N-F-T. NFTs! WTF, LOL, what's an NFT, you ask? NFTs are a good time. They're nifty. Hmm. But actually, the letters stand for the words non-fungible token. Huh? Which you've also definitely heard by now. After all, it's your buddy at the bar's favorite topic to put you onto. It's me. I'm your buddy at the bar. We'll dive deeper into all things NFT in a bit. But for now, the best way to think of it is a unique digital asset whose ownership is tracked on this crazy thing called the blockchain. What that digital asset could actually be? Well, anything. A piece of art your toddler banged out on their iPad, a photo of you and your prom date dabbing for your parents, a rare and unique recording of the first ever ostrich to perform the savage TikTok dance. I'm a savage. Too good to be true? Nah, that. See? NFTs, man. Anything is possible. Anything's possible. Anything's possible! I think, anyways. Honestly, these NFTs and digital items are hard to understand. They're stressing out my old brain hardware. But who do we have that can explain this one to me? I'm a little confused. How about Rohan Garagoslu? Hey, everybody. Thanks for having me. Uh, my name is Rohan Garagoslu. I'm the a digital collectibles uh, aficionado and founder of Dapper Labs, who is best known for starting CryptoKitties and NBA Top Shot. What do cats and basketball have to do with NFTs? Great question. I have literally no idea. So let's also call our friend Devin Finzer. My name is Devin Finzer and founder of OpenSea, the the largest NFT marketplace out there to help us sort all of this out. If you are someone who's 100% heard of NFTs, the blockchain and all of the things, but also 100% have no idea what the point of all of it is, don't worry, my dudes, we got you. I'm Mohan and today, It's all about non-fungible tokens, also known as NFTs. I mean, the simplest way uh, is is just NFTs make the digital things more like physical things. Um, That's how it's simplest. So it's like trading cards, but, but digital. 
Wait, who are you? You can't just jump onto my podcast. Uh, my name is Rom Garagoslu. I'm the uh, one of the founders and CEO of Dapper Labs. Oh, well, in that case, come on in. <laughs> Please continue with that stellar analogy. So just like you open packs of, of digital cards and video games, um, here you can actually keep the cards and sell them and, and transfer them to your friends or destroy them if you want to. This is the essence of NFTs. It's like a digital collectible, a trading card, a piece of art, whatever, but digital. These things are historically non-fungible. To explain the difference between fungible and non-fungible, fungible means that uh, the asset is interchangeable with another one. So for example, the US dollar is fungible because it doesn't matter whether I have this US dollar or that US dollar, it's just a US dollar, right? Um, you can kind of add them together. So cryptocurrencies like Ethereum, Bitcoin, Dogecoin, these types of things, they're all fungible because it doesn't matter whether this Ethereum or that Ethereum, right? And non-fungible just means that each one is distinct. That's my homie, Devin Finzer, the CEO and co-founder of OpenSea, which does tons of volume selling all kinds of nifty NFTs. What kind of NFTs are sold on these marketplaces like OpenSea? Well, for example, you may remember the viral YouTube video of Charlie and his brother. You know the one. <laughs> Charlie. Charlie bit me. That little piece of internet culture known as Charlie bit my finger just sold as an NFT for the equivalent of, wait for it, $760,000. Did you catch that? Someone paid a ton of money to quote unquote own a digital video that everyone and literally anyone used to be able to access on the internet for free. The same thing is happening with images, GIFs, and clips from NBA basketball games. People are spending hundreds, thousands, bazillions on Roham's website, NBA Top Shot, to own sports clips that you can watch for free literally anywhere else. Now, why on earth would anyone do that? Well, that's the story. And like everything on the interwebs, this whole NFT thing started with cats. <laughs> yes, cats. Even back when we were ideating CryptoKitties, we knew that NFTs were going to be much bigger than you know just one game or or one uh, category of animal that can breed. And and I mean, what we wanted to start with cats because we thought that you know we wanted something that was sort of RIP in our control and, and given us flexibility. And so the core idea with sort of CryptoKitties was, well, wait a second, why are they the only apps cryptocurrencies? And what else can we build? And can we create new kinds of applications around them? Whoa, head explosion sound effect. <laughs> okay, so Roham and Cruz started out this NFT journey building a platform where you could buy and own virtual depictions of ultra-specific kitty cats using the Ether crypto coin, a sort of secure virtual currency. These digital ownable NFT cats were called crypto kitties, which is also the name of my autobiography. But I digress. These kitties all looked different and each had individual traits and cutesy names. Little Sprinkle Truck, Nala Emo Pants, Tiger Sprinkle Smoosh. <laughs> the coolest and weirdest thing about the Crypto Kitty is that you can actually breed two of your felines and get a new generation of crypto cats. 
you know, if you have two particular genes, you combine them and then you create a new gene. And so it's it's both a more it's it's a it's really a game, right? It's a game where you combine different um, things together to get to get new things. Weird, but cool. Um, but very quickly after launch of CryptoKitties, you know, we saw the the user base got so excited about it. Even people that didn't know about crypto, they were getting really excited about NFTs. Um, but it was very different to people. You know, there's there's no analog for cats on the blockchain. Uh, there's no analog for you know training uh, cats on a marketplace. You know, it's not a. It was a hard thing for for most sort of casual people to understand. Even though after they understood it, it was a lot of fun. That's the genius of Roham and his team. They were fishing for something that was super approachable, something easy to understand by the general population. So we could enable NFT technology to take it to the mainstream. Back then, it was all cats all the time, which was quite specific. One of the confusing things about the space is people always want to kind of narrow uh, what an NFT is and say, oh, it's only like useful for this thing. But it's really um, in the same way that the internet was this very, very low level thing that enabled a plethora of applications on top of it. NFTs are similar. They're very generic. They're very basic, um, but they enable a lot of different things on top of them. Devin, our NFT hero. If you look back at early 2018, they're just the only thing you could do with NFTs was CryptoKitties. Now there's there's a marketplace like ours, OpenSea. There's other marketplaces. There's really easier ways to mint NFTs. There's tons of different wallets where you can store your NFTs. There's you know thousands of different games that have experimented with NFTs. So there's so much more. And now when people dive into the world of NFTs, there's actually a world. To, to dive into and get excited about. And um, there were people who had already kind of been curious, but maybe were sitting on the sidelines who started coming in. Um, athletes, celebrities, influencers, musicians, all started looking into NFTs. People started to get curious. They started to see something more than little breedable digital crypto kitties. And Roham and crew had been ideating, iterating, gyrating all along. So they were ready. You know, we started just trying to think to ourselves, well, what's going to be the thing that's uh, similar enough to let a product based on this technology kind of cross the, main, the mainstream uh, consciousness and, and cross into the sort of cultural zeitgeist? And I think that, you know, we knew trading cards were, were going to be the best option for us. Trading cards. You remember those? Pretty big market still, even today. And they sort of fit the NFT requirements. They're collectible items that gain value over time. Check. They're uniquely distinct and only a limited number of them get made. Check. Maybe it's an NFT. Maybe it's a Pokemon trading card pack. You know, same, same. Pikachu. It was a matter of sort of picking the right um, uh, league partner. Uh, we were getting inbounds from, from basically everybody, but the NBA is just the perfect choice. NBA, as in National Basketball Association. Kobe, Dame, all the greats. And it took us, you know, well over a year uh, to, to to get the original deal signed. Um, and then in that time, we were doing R&D like mad, trying to figure out, you know, what's going to be the kind of platform, the kind of infrastructure, user experience that an NBA fan can uh, understand and, and sort of get into. Because, 
uh, CryptoKitties was uh, and still is kind of inaccessible. Dapper and the NBA launched their digital collectibles marketplace in fall 2020. It was called NBA Top Shot. Top Shot let fans purchase highlights and unique moments from their favorite all-stars and buzzer beaters. Let's say Giannis hits 60 points tomorrow night, and you want to watch this one three-pointer over and over and over again. You could do that. Top Shots regularly drop these base set packs, your starter pack of digital trading cards. They even made it so you can use US dollars if you're not a crypto geek. Some of these assets might fluctuate in value. Some might blow up and become incredibly valuable after you purchase them. And this past winter, Top Shots literally exploded. It drove millions of dollars of trades for various NBA memes and moments and clips and GIFs and all of that just as NFTs. Talk about penetrating the zone. But how did a sports league get into all of this NFT stuff anyways? Well, they were actually quite quite sophisticated with it. And, and you know, I mean, obviously the leagues are experts at, at engaging their fans, right? And knowing what their fans are into. And so, you know, when you look at kind of the average NBA fan or the, the newer generation of NBA fan or any sports fan, really, they're playing video games and watching highlights on, you know, TikTok and Instagram more than they are showing up to live games or tuning in on TV. Um, that, that's, that, that's a fact and a reality that they've been aware of and seeing in their sort of analytics for, for years now, I mean, every league. Kudos to the NBA for keeping up with the kids. We're talking about a whole new paradigm, and the league just dove right in. But it's also sort of risky if the public isn't sold on your product. What's the point of saying, yeah, that's mine, if you and me and everyone can just go on YouTube or TikTok and still get it? A similar question could be asked about physical art, right? Why do I want to pay $100 million to buy the Mona Lisa if I could go and commission someone to, you know, create pretty much an exact replica of it that looks nearly visually identical to an untrained eye would, would be completely exactly look the same. Well, that is not the Mona Lisa. That's a replica of the Mona Lisa. The same way, you could take the JPEG associated with a piece of digital art and you could replicate it hundreds of times, but there's only one of the NFT. It does come back to this idea that it's a digital thing, but it, it you know it behaves a lot like a physical item where you can again you can kind of do whatever you want with um, it. So you could go and sell it on eBay or Craigslist. You could throw it away. You could go and ship it to a friend. With digital things, you don't necessarily have those same property rights over digital things. So this is an NFT is sort of a digital asset, but with kind of the same property rights that you associate with the physical asset. So Rohan, let's get back to the Top Shot launchpad. This is back in the fall of last year. Take me to that moment where you guys, you know, press the big red button that says, go live. We had the, the beta testing, you know, the community was super excited. We felt really, really good about uh, let's let's release it. It was the tail end of the season, so we also um, knew we had a limited amount of time um, while you know games were still uh, happening and and kind of um, their sort of daily headlines. And I want to take advantage of it, and so we released the product, um, invited uh, uh, a bunch of new users in, and and that was sort of the first bump of um, you know uh, 
uh, significant numbers of people interacting with with this thing. And right now, um, our daily actives are in the hundred thousand plus uh, range. Like, and and it it varies when we do a drop because a drop basically brings everyone um, to the website. You know, it's like social media, right? Like, every lot, lot more people show up every day to sort of look at things than. Uh, transact or, um, or or sort of either even sort of put up moments for sale or, or, or buy new things. So, um, but we're we're in that you know hundred to two hundred thousand person uh, range now, and um, the the pack drops do bring uh, more folks to the table. I mean, that's amazing. Talk to me a little bit about the hype after launch. Did you guys anticipate all of this noise? It has to be one of the coolest things you guys have ever done. I'm usually a pretty um, uh, grounded uh, person, sort of, sort of emotionally. To be honest, the thing that just excites me so much and that gets me out of bed and and really, really, and and is maybe feels even better than I expected is just how players have have adopted the 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 game and um, you know just the concept of a player on the court thinking about Top Shot or the way they sort of interact with their fans, the engagement they have on the marketplace, you know hearing commentators say put it on the top shot and just like the feeling of we we nailed the cultural relevance of the product swish so now we've got a culturally significant phenomenon to grab hold of with nba top shot and given human nature it's no surprise that this year's nfts are now popping up everywhere <laughs> from gary v to mark cuban entrepreneurs across the map are finding new things to get nifty with Jack Dorsey, you know, the Twitter guy, he just recently sold the first ever tweet as an NFT for close to 3 million bucks. Who would do that? It was less than 140 characters. And don't think it's just the money ballers. All sorts of artists and creatives are getting into the scene to distribute and monetize their stuff. The Kings of Leon released their latest album as an NFT. Dad Rockers David Grohl and Mick Jagger just put out a song collab as an NFT that sold for 50K. And digital art had a huge year too, and it ranked in some major coin. One NFT work from digital artist Beeple, Beeple, <laughs> am I saying that right? It sold for a whopping $69 million at Christie's auction. Um, I, think that, <laughs> I think that attracted a lot of eyeballs from across, you know, just across all different spaces, right? People who are like, wow, is digital art actually a market? Um, and and um, there were people who had already kind of been curious, but maybe were sitting on the sidelines who started coming in. Um, athletes, celebrities, influencers, musicians, all started looking into NFTs. And that sort of created this really interesting, virtuous cycle where, you know, a new celebrity would come and launch their NFTs and then promote that to their fans and then you know the fans who kind of get interested in it right and for all these people to actually do something with their nfts they've got to hook themselves up with a marketplace to sell them on how does that work on OpenSea? it's been called the ebay of nfts like what can you actually put on this platform well it can be whatever you want uh you could create an original and then you know people think that the artist is only going to produce a couple of works per year but then you could go and just like Create tons of stuff, and like people would, people would kind of stop appreciating what you're doing, right? If 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 you're not more selective about the art that you create. So again, it's the design space is super wide. You can you can do whatever you want, but at the end of the day, 
if you're in the art world in particular, you're subject to the demands of your potential customers. I think the best artists are really careful about the number of editions of different pieces that they release so as not to like flood the market. What we launched with Top Shot was the smallest product we could build, this minimum viable product. Um, and so we, we took the full vision and we said, well, we got to release this slice of it because six months ago, no one cared about NFTs. No, hardly anyone knew what they were. Um, and so, and so, and even the users in our beta were like, Hey, is this going to work? Is this not going to work? So first thing was we want to break through the the noise and show people this is a different way to, to do things. Now we build for the long run. You know, we're not uh, focused on 24 hour sort of fluctuations and, and, you know, people ask me, Hey, is it a bubble? So this is the foundational first step of a new technology that's going to rewire how the internet works. So where are we headed with all this stuff going forward? What's the future of NFTs? Five years from now, you'll see orders of magnitude more types of software for smaller and smaller and smaller niches um, because A, they'll be easier to build, B, there'll be less risk that they'll get cut off, and then C, those customers will come with digital wallets, money in them, and be able to send them directly to you and sort of support micro niches of, of really any fandom, any use case um, that you, you can imagine. The outcome of that is that they have a financial stake in sort of the the ownership that, that sort of that bundle of code sort of represents. So long-term, people can build applications that are built directly for the customer, and the customer can take their assets, their data, their sort of digital identity from product to product without any lock-in. I think it will change things in a lot of ways in the same way that the internet changed things in like a, a lot of different ways. This is really the creation of a brand new economy, and it's not just NFTs. It's all it's all, all sort of based on the the crypto blockchain building blocks that have been sort of coming together. So. We're already seeing digital art as a new market, but there's probably other markets that will start to emerge that are enabled by this. So it's even hard to predict exactly what things will take off. Um, I think uh, in particular, there's a really interesting intersection between, as I said, sort of the, the gaming virtual world space and NFTs. So, you know, I think what this all kind of leads to is sort of a metaverse type scenario where you have this real economy, but it's entirely virtual and entirely digital. And, you know, you could imagine sort of the jobs of the future really coming about there, right? So we already see people who are leaving their day jobs to become full-time digital artists. I think that that people will be much more active participants in a brand new digital economy. Well, friends, here we are. <laughs> this NFT shit is officially bananas. NFT, FT, FT. <laughs> I mean, it's insane how this all happened so fast. Let's track it a little bit. We started with something playful and fun, but pretty limited in scope. Then we got an application that brings in one of the strongest markets ever, sports. Hugely relevant, big money, big ups, and all with a spin on the idea of trading cards that people can actually sink their teeth into and understand. Okay, then we got art, and you know how much we love art here. Collecting art is another easy pathway to adoption. It's got all of the right stuff. And now where are we going to hang that NFT art? Well, we're gonna buy NFT digital real estate in video game worlds. 
duh. Putting this fancy metaverse talk aside, is what we're looking at right now a bubble? Is a clip of LeBron sinking a buzzer beater really worth thousands of dollars? Is Daniel R. Shams' latest art piece going to entice you to put your entire net worth onto the blockchain? Look, it's popping off right now, but is it all a bubble that'll actually pop next week? Honestly, I couldn't tell you. I might be missing out on the biggest gold rush of the decade, but my gut says it might be too early to tell. But here's what I do know. The idea of digital ownership, it's not going anywhere. You can now own something that potentially only exists in a digital form. You could even share in that ownership with other people. And all of you could potentially get some financial gain or love when that value of that underlying asset goes up. In the future, we might even have digital assets that represent actual IRL physical assets like real estate or memberships like to a club or a sports team or a university. Those can all be NFTs. Figuring out true digital blockchain-powered ownership opens up the door to all these interesting applications of dynamic, potentially fractional ownership of all sorts of stuff. And the impact will be crazy. Think about independent artists. If I want to support my favorite musician directly, it's no biggie anymore. Just shoot them a little crypto and you get the vinyl and a ticket to the show wrapped up in this nice, cute little NFT bundle. Take that one step further. When creators own their digital art, their gifts, and podcasts, what happens to all these big tech platforms that have been monetizing on it for years? Things are going to be different if this new decentralized internet takes a hold. Sure, it all started out with big novelty, cats and basketballs. But that's maybe what it takes for us to get this technology to the masses. A little fun to get you to understand something dense and complicated. Sort of like this podcast. Today's episode was hosted by me, Mohan M. Zanuzi, produced by Kareen Javier and Lee Schneider, written by Ibrahim Belki, exec produced by Steph Wolf, music by Ura. <laughs> Thank you to our dear friends, Roham and Devin. You can find more Same Same on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your ear candy. Thanks for listening. Spread love. This episode was brought to you in part by BCG Digital Ventures. BCG DV builds revolutionary new businesses with the world's most influential corporations. Learn more at bcgdv.com.